There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode of Newt's World, according to the Centers for Disease Control, 107,375 people in the United States died of drug overdoses and drug poisonings in the 12-month period ending in January 2022. A staggering 67% of those drug deaths involved synthetic opioids like fentanyl. Some of these deaths were attributed to fentanyl mixed with other drugs like cocaine, methamphetamine, and heroin, with many users unaware that they were actually taking fentanyl. According to the DEA, quote, only two milligrams of fentanyl is considered a potentially lethal dose, close quote. As we watch the death toll rise from fentanyl overdoses and understand the personal loss and impact it has on many families, there are researchers on the cutting edge of science working to find a solution. And I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Dr. Colin Hale. He is a research associate professor in psychology at the University of Houston's Drug Discovery Institute and author of the new study published in the journal Pharmaceutics entitled, quote, an immunoconjugate vaccine alters distribution and reduces the antinosusceptive behavioral and physiological effects of fentanyl in male and female rats. He's developed a potential fentanyl vaccine, which could be a game changer for the opioid epidemic. Colin, welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. It's a pleasure, Mr. Speaker, absolute pleasure. I'm curious to start with, how long have you been working to discover this? 
Well, our group has been working on vaccines like this for at least 15 years. But this particular vaccine we've been working on for about five to six years. So clearly it's a desperately needed vaccine. Tell me just for a minute, what was the key to discovering this? I mean, is it primarily looking at the genetics or how do you go about in this modern era developing these kind of vaccines? Good question. As I mentioned, we've been working on vaccines like this in the past against methamphetamine, against cocaine. And about five, six years ago, the opioid epidemic started and it became quite obvious that this was going to be a huge problem. So the technology that we had developed in previous vaccines, we applied to this one against fentanyl. And fortunately, we have gotten significant funding from the Department of Defense to get us to this point, And we are excited to move forward. So the way this develops, you come up with a theory, you develop an initial test drug. And then in the current system, as I understand it, you try it out either on mice or rats in order to see if it works. Correct. And these are called preclinical studies. And we've conducted numerous studies in mice and also rats. The journal article that you mentioned was conducted in male and female rats with complete blockade of anti-fentanyl's effects in vaccinated animals compared to unvaccinated animals. And in that study, we looked at quite a few measures. Importantly, the effects of fentanyl on physiology, overdose. So we gave a high dose of fentanyl to vaccinated and unvaccinated rats. And then we measured oxygen, blood levels, respiration, heart rate, and activity, which are all associated with overdose. And we showed that in our vaccinated animals, we completely blocked these fentanyl-induced effects. Is there any significant difference between using rats and mice? There is a species difference. For me, I'm rat-biased. I like rats. They're easier to work with, and you can measure complex behaviors where, for me, mice are not so complex and, frankly, stupid. As I ask you, are rats actually technically smarter than mice? I would say so, yes. That's interesting. I had not had a chance to ask anybody that. So if I understand it, what you've developed in principle, which now we believe works in rats and you're about to test it on humans, if somebody has a fentanyl dose but recovers, you would then apply this vaccine. And in the future, they would be non-responsive to that particular drug so they wouldn't have a great urge to go take it again. So it's a sort of an anti-relapse medication. Would that be a fair way to say it? Yes, sir. You're right on. I present this as exactly what you said, an anti-relapse medication that is going to be used in conjunction with maintenance therapies, which are methadone, buprenorphine, naltrexone. And we know, however, that a high percentage of this patient populations relapse, nearly 80 to 90 percent. We know they will relapse. Also, we know that we have a high rate of noncompliance of these medications because of their side effects. I was frankly startled to realize that if you have opioid use disorder, 
even with maintenance therapy, the relapse rates apparently approach like 90%. That's correct. I mean, that's sort of staggering. It is. And it points towards the need for a novel treatment strategy. And that's what this vaccine is. Assuming that it works and the FDA approves it, if I then took the vaccine, would I need the other maintenance drugs? Well, we would prefer that the patient did have maintenance therapy on board because that would be an added protection. However, if they did not and the individuals had been vaccinated, they develop anti-fentanyl antibodies that are generated from the immune system. T-cells communicate with B-cells. B-cells make antibodies that reside in the blood. If the vaccinated individual consumes fentanyl, those antibodies will bind to fentanyl and prevent it getting into the brain, where it stimulates centers that control euphoria and reinforcement, and also control the deadly effects of fentanyl, such as overdose and death. Is the impact of fentanyl that causes death primarily on brain function? Its function, it targets mechanisms in the brain stem that control respiration. It also induces what's called the wooden chest syndrome, where intercostal muscles become rigid and you can't move your diaphragm to inhale or exhale. But the bottom line is it depresses respiration. Okay, so both through your nervous system and in your brain and through your nervous system in your chest? Primarily the brain. Is there a plausibility that at some point we would actually use this as a preventive vaccine for young people in an effort to totally block off the fentanyl addiction? As you can imagine, the response to this study has been enormous. And I have been contacted by numerous parents that are concerned about their kids Their fear is that their kids are going to experiment with substances, and these substances, as you noted on the intro, have been adulterated with fentanyl. So these kids are taking these drugs and unknowingly being exposed to fentanyl and unfortunately overdosing and dying. So one strategy would be to use the vaccine as a prophylaxis for those individuals that feel that they will be exposed to fentanyl in some way. Once you've taken the vaccine, does it have a lifetime effect or would you need to renew it? Good question. Our vaccine strategy or our protocol is similar to the hepatitis B vaccine, where you get an initial vaccination and then a little while later you get a first boost and then a few months later you get a second boost. It's the same way for our vaccine. But you don't have to go back and retake it every four or five years. We don't know. Okay. No, but with hepatitis B, once you've done the two boosts, is that it? It depends on the individual. For myself, when I got hepatitis B, it took, and I haven't needed a booster in a long time. Now, with this vaccine, we've only gone out 20 weeks after the initial vaccination in rats, and 20 weeks is a long time for a rodent. But at 20 weeks, we got complete blockade of fentanyl's effects. Now, to determine the enduring effects of the vaccine, we'll have to look at that in the phase one or phase two clinical trials. But we're very confident based on our data that we'll have an enduring response and the antibodies will be there and we'll be able to neutralize fentanyl, take it out of the body. 
a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So, given the way the FDA operates, how long do you think the process will be to get to a potentially marketable vaccine? You're asking very good questions, and we cannot predict how long this is going to take. However, I do believe and I am confident that the FDA will look upon our application in a different way. And in a different way means that part of our vaccine is already in two vaccines on the market and have been for many years and has proven safe and effective. The other part of our vaccine has also been in human clinical trials and also in infants and has also proven safe and effective. So we have two out of the three parts of our vaccine that have already been in humans and have proven safe and effective. And so we're confident that these data will help us. We hope it's not for sure that the FDA will look positively on our application. Now, the research you're doing is at the University of Houston's Drug Discovery Institute. Do you imagine then forming some kind of private-public partnership to go through the next phase because it becomes dramatically more expensive the further you go down the human trial? Yeah, so you're right. I'm at the University of Houston. I am a founding member of the Drug Discovery Institute, but all of our work here at U of H is in our laboratories and also through the Animal Behavior Core Facility, which I'm also a founding member of that core facility, and through the Department of Psychology and Times, which is an institute here that has been very supportive. But as far as how to move forward, 
There are a number of ways. University of Houston has overwhelmingly supported us with protecting intellectual property, getting the patents secure, and also they are very supportive of entrepreneurship and moving this thing forward. I think after what has happened recently with all the publicity, I think they're going to be even more supportive. In fact, I was contacted just today that Governor Abbott will be visiting our lab next week. I can tell you, as somebody who looks at the whole country, this crisis of drug addiction and drug overdose is so enormous. I have several friends personally who have lost children to drug overdoses, and it is truly a national crisis. We had one of our interns do a comparative study. If you look at the wall for the people who were killed in Vietnam and you built a comparable wall extending it down to cover everybody who's been killed in the last 10 years from drug overdoses, the wall would be 1.1 miles. We have quietly accepted a level of assault on our children that is just staggering. Uh, and so what you've done, I mean, you're going to have everybody and their brother and sister coming to visit because people are so desperate for hope. And as you could tell, when we called you, we wanted to share this in a podcast with people because I know there will be so many people interested in what you're doing. So let's go back in your life because after all, these things get done by people who have unique passions and put in time. How did you decide to get into biological research? Well, I originally did the biopsychology, and I didn't feel like that was enough. I went to graduate school. I didn't feel like that area was enough. So I ended up joining a lab at the University of Texas Medical Branch in the Department of Pathology and worked on heart issues, heart things, and then eventually got into surgery. I worked for a veterinary surgeon for a while, and then I left Austin at the time and took a position at Yale School of Medicine, Department of Psychiatry. From then on, it has always been research. How does the brain respond to certain substances that are misused by humans? And anything that has to do with psychiatry, cognitive impairments. I was faculty at Thomas Jefferson Medical School in Department of Neurosurgery, where I developed with my colleagues a peptide that enhanced memory and learning. And then I made my way back to Yale, Department of Psychiatry again. This time I was developing radio ligands or things that help us look at things in the brain, such as brain scans and things. And then had the opportunity to come back to Texas. And so I was recruited along with my colleagues, Dr. Therese Costin and Dr. Thomas Costin. We were recruited by Baylor College of Medicine in the Department of Psychiatry. And there, I also did some human research in addition to animal research. And then Dr. Costin requested I join his group more to focus on the vaccines because he was the first one to bring a anti-addiction vaccine into humans. It was anti-cocaine vaccine. He was the first one to do that. And so it got to phase two and I think phase three clinical trials. And there was some issues that prevented it from getting onto the market. We know what those issues are and we have much better technology 
we have plans to apply this technology to an anti-cocaine vaccine. But then eventually, University of Houston recruited Therese Costin to Department of Psychology, and then they acquired quite a bit of money, built new labs, new buildings, incredible animal facility. And then Terry goes, well, why don't you think about coming over here? And I said, well, it looks fantastic. The facilities are incredible. And they needed somebody to establish the Animal Behavior Core facility. So that was one of the main reasons I came over here. But all during that time, we had been developing the anti-methamphetamine vaccine. We got a grant in coordination with Baylor. We formed a small company, and this was a small business initiative grant to test the vaccine. At the time, there were some milestones that NIDA, National Institutes on Drug Abuse, did not feel that we achieved, and then pulled the funding. And eventually, we found out where the funding went. And at the time, the opioid epidemic was starting to ramp up. And so those funds went to individuals looking at potential treatments for opioid use disorder. So we, of course, had our technology. We lost the funding and then gained funding to produce the anti-fentanyl vaccine. And that's what we've been focused on since now. And fortunately, we've made tremendous progress The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Some people argue that harm reduction strategies 
or another form of treatment. Can you talk about the whole notion of harm reduction strategies and whether they are, in fact, effective? You point out that some 90% of people on fentanyl addiction tend to relapse even if they're on a harm reduction strategy. But what should the average citizen know about the concept of harm reduction strategies? I've written about this. A Dr. David Nutt over in England was one of the first to really push harm reduction strategies into mainstream psychiatry. It's been around for quite a while, such as needle exchange programs to reduce disease transmission, providing safe spaces to take drug in Switzerland. I believe they were the first ones to do that. Canada, up in Vancouver, I believe they were some of the first to start the needle exchange programs. And the idea is to provide, for example, clean needles to reduce HIV transmission, hepatitis. That's the overall strategy. Balancing that strategy, it needs to be combined with techniques that decrease drug use. Where I see that it's going wrong is that you're providing even clean drug, clean needles, clean safe space, and you're facilitating the drug intake and not really offering strategies and treatments to decrease drug intake. That's where I see that kind of faulty in my view. But the overall strategy of harm reduction innately is positive. But apparently with fentanyl, at least, it has remarkably limited impact. Yes. Fentanyl is a very highly reinforcing or highly addictive opioid, and it is cheap, it's everywhere, and it only takes very, very small amounts to achieve euphoria. Now, with our vaccine for people that want to quit, this is an added tool to help those achieve sobriety. Once they relapse, they can get back on the wagon to sobriety. For those that don't want to quit, this probably will not work for them. You know, often you'll see if an individual can't find fentanyl, they'll switch to heroin. If they can't find heroin, they'll switch to oxycodone or hydrocodone or another opioid. What does make fentanyl different from either the prescription drugs like oxycodone or heroin? Why is fentanyl so much more impactful? So the key to the addictive properties of any drug is how fast does it get into the brain to trigger these euphoric centers or the circuitry that produces euphoria. And fentanyl is highly lipophilic. That means that it loves fat. It goes into fat very, very quickly. So therefore, it gets into the central nervous system extremely quickly. Drugs that get into the central nervous system quickly are the most addictive. So people get to a point where from addiction, they just find it extraordinarily hard to quit because as the drug starts to dissipate, they have a deep physical pain urging them to replenish it. I mean, is that a fair summary? Yes, sir. That's part of the addictive process with opioids and very specifically two opioids. If you've been taking these drugs for a long period of time, you develop tolerance. So you need more of the drug to get that high. If you have developed tolerance, stopping these drugs will eventually 
produce a withdrawal syndrome. And so the individual then gets into this endless cycle of having to take the drug to not experience a bad effect. And that bad effect is withdrawal. And it's a terrible cycle. I find it horrifying that we have slid into this culture where we lose 100,000 people a year and we really haven't done anything effective. And one of the reasons you're going to be visited by so many people is for the first time there's a breakthrough that sort of fits the American model, which is technology defeats problems. And I think that that's a remarkable part of this. I hope we'll be able to stay in touch with you. And I want to thank you for joining me. You know, Colin, we've just had Thanksgiving and we have a lot to be grateful for. And frankly, your hard work and that of your team, the commitment you've shown, the years you've put in, may produce a lot of Thanksgivings over the next few years for thousands of Americans who are saved from dying of fentanyl because of the hard work you're doing. So I hope that this is the beginning of many happy Thanksgivings for families that otherwise might lose a loved one. I'm impressed and honored to have a chance to talk with you. And I want to thank you for joining me on Newt's World and sharing your research. Well, I appreciate you having me on your platform, and it was an honor. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Colin Hale. You can read his study about the new fentanyl vaccine being developed on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play.